Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, yeah, I mean, not great, but not in any way that I want to talk about in the podcast. I'm sure. Hanging in there. How are you? I'm let doing me, okay. Let me, let me deflect. Sure. Sure. Uh, I'm doing okay. Um, I've completely lost track of where I've said things, whether it be on the Patreon or whatever, but, uh, my family and I are getting over, uh, COVID. Uh, we're all doing fine by the way. Uh, it was, you know, like, uh, like anybody else who's gotten it, but they're vaccinated. Like it was just like a, a bad cold and frankly, not even the worst cold I've had. Uh, and thankfully the kids were not really affected at all, but, uh, we're still in a, in a place where we have to stay home. So that's, that's really what's starting to get to me yeah. <laughs> is uh, not being able to go and do the things that, uh, that provide uh, emotional and psychological nourishment as much, it, not to suggest my family doesn't, but like or going that, I out, don't. that, you know what, admittedly that's true. <laughs> oh, no. um, but, uh, but going out, you know, going out to uh, going out to a movie or, or out to dinner with a friend or something like that is something that, uh, that I really enjoy doing and something I don't think I quite realized how much I needed until it, until it was taken away. If only it's only been a week, you know? Um, but yeah, so, so we're doing, we're doing okay for the most part. Uh, how are you? No, you already did that. Remember? <laughs> I, I know, but I want, but you deflected and I wanted yeah. to come back at you. Uh, but Yeah. Okay, here's here's how I am. I'm uh, I, I'm I'm torn by the latest uh, of many um, film Twitter controversy. I feel like you and I we just did this uh, New Year's resolution where we both mm-hmm. talked about like figuring out how to be more engaged with yes with film Twitter and like I feel like we picked the wrong time because it's <laughs> like. Uh, maybe everyone is like you, maybe everyone on film Twitter is also like quarantining for 10 days and losing their mind. But I just feel like it's, it's been insane. There's been some like dumb controversy two sometimes two a day. There literally are two today. I'm not even going to talk about the Washington post one. I'm going to talk about the Atlantic one. Oh boy. Okay. Um, and today's topic is today's topic inspired by yes. film Twitter as well. Yes. Okay. So, that's so we've got yeah. it's lost its damn mind um but we should uh, do us we should do a separate podcast simply called uh film twitter and every week we just talk about on the show what they're talking about on twitter that way we are responding but not actually engaging uh but here's here's one i talk about not as the topic of the show which we'll get to mm-hmm. but um yaya rosenberg over over at the atlantic atlantic wrote a thing called your bubble is not the culture and okay. I feel like this is a thing where people, not that I want to say that I agree with what he says in the article, but I do feel like a lot of the people dunking on him about, about it are reacting only to the, the, having the most superficial take on what he's saying. And part of that is his fault in terms of the way he frames his, his tweet about it. He says, Here's his tweet about the article, like linking to the article. It says from Hamilton to Harry Potter, critics keep keep misreading popular culture and writing off things that their audiences love. I wrote about why that happens and why it's a problem. So that actually makes it like that tweet makes it sound like he's saying something that having read the article, I don't think he's actually arguing. And maybe I just took a different thing. That tweet sounds like he's saying critics should 
like the things that the population at large likes. And I think that's the, uh, a lot of what the people have been pushing back against because that's not, that's not true. Hey, right. there's two things to say about that. Hey, that's not true. Critics don't have any obligation to like things because they're popular because they will are, are bound to be popular. Right. On the other hand, most things that are popular with audiences are also popular with critics. Sure. Like sometimes I feel like he's talking about a bubble or maybe he's in a bubble where he's only seeing the critics who, uh, um, who, who push back against like something like the MCU or whatever. Whereas right. like MCU movies tend to get good reviews across like mm-hmm. at, in, in, in general. So I have that problem, but I also want to say what I think, what I actually took from the article that I think is worth keeping in mind is that he talks about like, and I, cause I have a tendency to, to do this and I don't think it's a bad impulse, but I should also, I think contextualize it a little more. Whenever I talk about someone like he mentions JK Rowling. Okay. When I mention JK Rowling, I feel like I have, I am, I am, bringing to that conversation her views on transgender people and, and, and the fact that I think that they um, are, are, are hurtful and um, close-minded and, and that I don't agree with them. I'm bringing that. And I think what he's, all he's saying to keep in mind or all I took from this is most people in the U S don't know about that. <laughs> like, sure. That's what's so weird to me. Like that's like, uh, um, like I, I, to me, JK Rowling, the first thing she's known for, the second thing she's known for at this point is Harry Potter. The first thing she's known for is being like a turf bigot, but people in the world at large don't even know what turf, what a turf is. <laughs> I don't think I know what a turf is. See, there you go. It's a trans exclusionary, trans exclusionary, radical feminist, like someone who, is considers themselves a feminist, but, right. but absolutely refuses to acknowledge that trans women are women. That's, mm-hmm. and that's who JK Rowling is. Um, and, uh, I, I do think it's maybe worth keeping in mind, uh, what the temperature of the culture is not necessarily writing, to that or writing away from that, but just, I think to me, that's all this article was about, but I understand there's a lot of stuff like the tweet that sure accompanies it, that, that gives people the impression that what he's saying is you, you're a critic. You should like things that are popular or else you are right. not being, you're not doing your job as a consumer advocate or, or whatever, um, which is not what, uh, what I, take a critic's job to be. Uh, I understand that, but I also think it is worth keeping in mind how often, especially in this, this, the, our, our, our culture in which you can increasingly choose your own reality. Mm-hmm. Um, we should keep in mind how often the things that consume us day to day are, tempests in a teapot which is not to say that they're not important sure i don't think that people not knowing that jk rowling has these views that i find absolutely inhumane 
I don't think that people not knowing that makes those views less of a big deal, but I just, sure. I just want to keep, I want to keep in mind what people know about her that when people like, I mean, I guess I had, why well, you and I talked recently on the podcast, I can't remember what we were talking about, why Brian Williams came up, but I was like, he retired and I was like, wait, what the fuck? That yeah. dude was still in journalism. And I yeah. am, uh, um, and I actually had before this article even came out, I had this exact this conversation with with Natalie. Some band I was like, some band we like. I can't remember who it was now. Oh, Parquet Courts. Parquet Courts. I was showing her like, hey, Parquet Courts played a new song on Ellen, and then I was like, wait, Ellen? I thought that show like, I thought it was like literally canceled. I thought that yeah. show wasn't art anymore. Uh, all that stuff came out about it being an awful workplace, and she was like nobody cares. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's in a way, uh, I, and I think, I think it was you who was talking about it. Like I remember so little about the, about the context in which we were talking about this, the idea of in reviews, like when, when referencing, uh, maybe a more, uh, a more obscure movie in like a review of a new movie, um, in your tone, you can almost suggest that like, if you don't know this other movie, certainly if you haven't seen it, but if you, if you don't even know this other movie, uh, well, then you're, you know, then I'm not writing for you. This idea of, of, of acknowledging. Yeah. So I, it's not even so much like pandering and just telling other people like, well, telling like the, the, the mass audience, like, well, what you're, what you think, what, you know, that's what really matters. It's more just, we know different things. I'm going to talk about something and not in a way that's, that's, that's condescending, but like, I'm going to maybe assume that you, I'm not going to assume that you do know it. Yeah. So I will take a parenthetical phrase. I will take uh, just a slight aside to briefly explain what that thing is. And then we can move on. And rather than dwell too much on it or just act like, well, look, you, you, you know, all the same stuff I do and all the same people I do. So we're just, I don't even need to mention that. We'll just move on. Like both can be alienating in their own way. It's a bit of a tightrope. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I, I, I definitely get what he's saying versus what the tweet says. It's this idea yeah. of like, you don't have to cater to other people. You don't have to cater to their opinions, but you have to cater to the fact that not everybody has the same opinion. Uh, and or, or at least just or, be aware. Or has, or has, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or has the same, is in the same bubble. They're in a different bubble. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm venture, as I'm writing this thing, I'm, I'm venturing to, to put my opinion, you know, to, I'm venturing out of my bubble, hypothetically into other people's bubbles. That doesn't mean that you have to do exactly what they say, but at least acknowledge that you're, you're not just writing for you and your, you know, yeah you and your car wash friends. Um, that's a, that's, I think that's a mad TV sketch um, okay. where there's like a, there's like a, a really shitty boss, I believe played by Bill Sasso, uh, Will Sasso, pardon me. And he says, Bill to his he, friends, Bill to his friends. Yeah, of course <laughs> it doesn't save any time, but yeah, but he, uh, he's like this, this mean boss. And he goes, I don't care about you or any of your car wash friends. And that's, and it's like a, a, an office environment and no, nobody knows what it means, but it stayed with me clearly. Yeah. I like Will Sasso. Me um, too. But uh, uh, yeah, so sometimes when I get um, in my head about these sort of things, I like to reference. There's a GIF that I keep in my phone to reference. Okay. It's it's a blessing to me that there's a character on the show 
Schitt's Creek named David. Sure. Because sometimes I can take, so here's my absolute favorite, uh, Alexis Rose gif. I don't know if you can, Oh no, you can't see it. It's too, no, it's like blowing out. Can... Um, oh, no, I'm just, I, I can kind of see it. Okay. There can, it you is. See what she, can you see what yes. she's saying though? No. Oh, she's saying David. Nobody cares. <laughs> Sometimes when I get worked up about tempests in a teapot, uh, it is a bit of a relief to me to realize nobody cares. That's interesting that uh, that's a relief to you because if it were me, like if it's something that's very important to me and someone said nobody cares, my first thought is like, okay, well, now you're invalidating me, but also they should care. You know, like uh, that's that's the flip side. And so... Uh, uh, that would not be a, a relieving statement to me. Interesting. Yeah. No, the, um, the more that I take in my own insignificance, sure. the more at peace I feel. Yeah, that's, uh, that's certainly, um, from a, from a Christian standpoint, it's this idea that it's like, the idea that God, that God loves you like uh, more than you could ever possibly comprehend. Incidentally, he also loves everybody else more than you could possibly comprehend. <laughs> and so just like, yeah. so maybe that can, that can certainly make you feel special, but not above anyone. Um, and so that's uh, not that anyone was looking for a little uh, theology here, but, uh, but that's something that does, Keep me ground. Like one can keep you ground grounded and the other can help you feel like you do matter in a larger sense. Just no, not any more than anyone else. Well, you get everything on battleship retention. You get movie sure. recommendations, you get some theology and also you get told about great products. <laughs> there we go. Like tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com <laughs> is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Um, I'm still, I'm listening to a lot of, um, uh, of, of metal from, from last year. Um, uh, just catching up on the, there's so much metal music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's insane how many metal albums come out uh, every year. And I like, we'll spend an entire year listening to metal and then like someone's top 10 albums, list comes out and I'm like, I haven't listened to seven of these. It happens all <laughs> the time. Um, but today I was actually re-listening to, um, an album that I had heard, uh, before it didn't make my top 10 albums, uh, of the year. I think partially because the album's good, but it's not as good as its title or cover art. Uh, um, so the, that the feels, I feel like that happens a lot in the world of metal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the band is called Sonata S U N N A T A. The album is called, uh, burning in heaven, melting on earth. Awesome title. Yeah. And then, Oh, we're going to have to wait for it to adjust again, uh, to adjust again. So you can see the, uh, the cover art. It's Having not a doing hard it. time with it. Not yeah. Doing it. Uh, how do we do it? I can look it up. It's Sonata. S-U-N-N-A-T-A. Burning in heaven, melting on earth. It's a very cool album cover. Okay. Uh, it's um, it's it's a woman. With a, yeah. She's got like a red mesh, like a shawl over her head. And she's kind of looked yeah. up, looking up. But there's something about the fact that the album is called, has the word melting in it. Yes. 
and the way that the fabric is dripping down and, and, and bunching, it's, it's all, I mean, it's not like, I don't think there's anything manipulated about the photo, but it does look like it looks great. It looks melting. It's, it's, it's a super awesome, uh, uh, cover and it's, it's a good album too. Um, it's just, uh, maybe not, didn't quite, quite live up to, uh, mm. my expectations based on the presentation, but you know what? It sounded great on my tweetardio.com earbuds that are available at low, 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 low. How many lows can I say? That's how low they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're available at a low, low price at tweetardio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweetardio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, we're back. So let's get into it, shall we? Let's talk about the other uh, film Twitter is losing its mind bullshit. Uh, but it, I mean, or at least that's going to be our jumping off point. I don't want to just talk right. about this because I want to talk about award season in general in my increasingly conflicted feelings about it because I find award season. Go ahead. And we have talked about the Oscars in this capacity, like why we like them, what our reservations are and that sort of thing. But increasingly just because of this podcast and the fact that we do our draft, we, uh, I think over the years have become increasingly aware of award season, which lasts from for us, October, but let's say November well into uh, March oh. or April. No, if you ask me, award season starts at Telluride, which is late August. Sure, sure. So it is end of August until the Oscars yeah. is award season. It's half the year, and I love it. I get so <laughs> I get so into it. But yeah. I, it's sort of like this is like the opposite of what we did that episode about age gap relationships. That like it's the, that this is a positive thing for me that was a negative where like big age gaps in movies tended to like stick out to me. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it'd be like a hang up that I had, but then I want to distance myself from people who are being prescriptivist and saying that movies shouldn't have that. And that makes a movie bad. I don't want that. So at the same time, the opposite of that, I love award season. I get a lot of fun out of award season, but there are people who take it too seriously yes. and they ruin it for everyone. And that's what's happened uh, with this, uh, the what's, what's been going on on, on Twitter a number of times recently. And I think it has, it has something to do with this year. Well, critics awards always come before uh, industry awards, you know, critics yeah. awards are different, generally bunched closer to the end of the previous year. And then you've got the, uh, industry awards leading up to the Oscars. <clears throat> and so, um, the, the critics this year, there are a couple, there's really, there's one, there's a Japanese film and there's a Norwegian film. that have been getting a lot of love outside of the foreign language category. You know, mm-hmm. drive, drive my car has been getting, I think New York, LA and Boston all named it 
the best film of the year. It's also gotten a lot of critics awards for Raisuke Hamaguchi, the director, as well as um, for his adapted screenplay. Yeah. Um, even the lead actor has gotten a lot of uh, attention. Who's I'm forgetting his name. Um, yeah, I'm forgetting it. Uh, and then also the national, well, you and I were just talking about, what is it called? National is it national film, film critics? critics association. I might I be a society. Society. Okay. Maybe hang on. Now I got to, um, but they gave best supporting actor in a film to Anders Anderson Lee, the Norwegian actor who uh, is in the worst person in the world. And is fantastic in it. National society of film critics is what it is. National society of film yeah. critics. Um, and people, there are people who's enough other people find award season to be enjoyable that there are people whose job it is to just cover award season. Right. And there have been accus- accusations isn't even the right word. It's, I would say there's an assumption that baffles me. There's mm. an assumption on some of these awards let's call them awards bloggers, whatever you want to call them. But for sure, I'll call call them awards bloggers. There's been an assumption on the part of some of these awards bloggers that critics are voting in the, because critics awards come first. Like I said, the critics are voting with the Oscars in mind and are intentionally trying to like, these critics want to get drive my car, a best picture nomination. Um, And then it baffles me because I am a, critic i vote in multiple um uh, uh, awards groups and i and i th- i think most critics just vote for what they like that's not to say that it doesn't like i do think that drive my car has a better shot at a best picture nomination than it did because it's getting all this critics attention i do think that it will have that effect i don't think that critics are sitting down and writing their ballot out with the Oscars in mind. I think awards bloggers where the Oscars is there, it's the pinnacle of their year. Maybe they need a little gif of Alexis Rose telling them awards blogger. Nobody cares. Yeah. (laughs) People, the the Oscars are not that important to critics voting in critics groups in in general is my opinion, by the way. And I haven't taken a poll and I know that there probably are, critics who um uh actually think about the oscars in the way that an awards blogger does is like the end game or whatever but i i i was that's why i stopped short of calling it an accusation because an accusation almost would have made more sense to me like than saying like oh you're being nefarious it's the, the thing that makes me feel like I mean, even more in a different planet than these awards bloggers is just the assumption that this is how critics vote yeah man so okay so i watch i I enjoy watching old episodes of siskel and ebert as you know and they used to have a thing an episode every year called memo to the academy uh in which they would talk about a specific performance or a movie in general uh and say like hey here's a really great movie that uh might be forgotten around oscar time uh maybe because it came out at the beginning of the year or something like that um and so and they say like we're specifically trying to influence academy voters who may have seen this but forgot about it um and so in that instance in, in that instance they were but they also yeah, recognize they're upfront about it though they're upfront about it 
And also they recognized that they, Siskel and Ebert was a huge platform. Like they were the only critics as far as a lot of people were concerned and critics that, that often knew a lot of the, a lot of these voters. And so it could actually have an impact, but I'm, I cannot imagine that even in New York or, or Boston, you know, big cities, but I cannot imagine that that critics group is so self obsessed that <laughs> they think like, Hey, I know that Hollywood, like we know that Hollywood really takes the Boston film critics uh, association or whatever it is into account. Like, and there are so many of these critics groups that it it would be that if, if these awards bloggers are correct and Hey, critics can be egotistical uh, on a one, on a one-to-one basis, but as an entire group, I feel like that ego would go away. And yeah, I don't, I, I can't imagine that that any critics group would be doing this with the purpose of yeah. i'm sure they're thinking like hey if this had an impact great but i can't well, imagine want, them I mean, doing critics, it for that purpose critics uh, people who aren't critics i think have a hard time believing or keeping in mind or remembering that film critics love movies yeah and so they are advocating i, I think film critics do love to advocate for like you talked about with the Siskel and Ebert thing, like great movies that they, that mean a lot to them that aren't getting a lot of uh, attention. You know, if I'm like one of the things, if I'm known for anything as a film critic, mm-hmm. it's how much I loved the the Russian film, The White Tiger. <laughs> yes, from like twenty. That is that the is your Russian legacy. World War, World War yeah. II movie, um, and I I love that I that on in certain people's minds, um, I'm associated with that. And I guess, yeah, never mind. Um, uh, sorry, uh, I was going to break one of my personal rules as a critic, and I don't want to do that. Um, so, but I, I know I lost my train of thought. Uh, but I, but that's not the same as. I, I, it's just, I, I, I think to go back to our pre-show, like, or our, our, our top of show topic, like awards bloggers maybe need to recognize the, that the bubble therein is one that treats the Oscars as, as, as being the, the, the biggest event of the year, but that's not yeah. the case for most people, including a lot of people who love movies. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I want to, I want to piggyback on something you were talking about where like critics love movies and it really is just, I think critics have a, to the degree that they're aware of the Oscars, which of course is, is probably quite a bit, but as far as the history of the Oscars, they know that there are plenty of directors, plenty of actors that have never won uh, an Oscar. And yet that has not stopped them from valuing this filmmaker uh, much, much more over directors that have, but they do understand that a film being nominated or winning an Oscar does get it instinctively or inherently more press. Mm-hmm. And it does raise its profile. Um, I remember uh, reading that uh, after Moonlight won, now granted the, the manner in which it won was so strange uh, because, because uh, La La Land was announced first. So that got a lot of people that probably otherwise wouldn't have cared interested but I remember reading that Amazon like ran out because the film was already on video, but it like ran out of Blu-rays uh, the day after Moonlight won the Oscar, maybe because they didn't have very many uh, yeah. because it was not a very in-demand film. And then suddenly it was. Uh, and so I think I think 
critics, when it comes right down to it, ideally, our job or, or and our, our passion is to just get people seeing really great movies that we consider to be great. And the Oscars is a way to raise a movie's profile. So it's not about it's not about impacting the Oscars for their own sake. The Oscars are themselves a means to an end uh, in our view, at least I think so. Um, yes. The, 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 the awards can be fun and all that sort of thing, but really it's just about like when people look back, you know, whether it be, it could be like an AFI list or something like that. People look for like, okay, well, what were the nominees? What were the winners? What mm. showed up on this list? What showed up on that list? And it's unfortunate when a film doesn't show up at all, but at this, but like, and and the list to me the like lists and nominations like the value they have is someday somewhere someone is going to look back and try to think like i want to start watching movies where do i start okay you know what i'm going to watch every best picture they're going to see a lot of not great movies but it's they're going to start somewhere and it wouldn't be nice if one of those best if at least one of those best pictures was genuinely a marvelous film that otherwise maybe wouldn't have gotten nominated. So I'm not to su- I'm not suggesting that critics groups are trying to impact the Oscars, but I think they they are aware of the impact that the Oscars can have. Um, but I don't think that they are not being true to themselves. It's like, oh, you know what? I actually like Power of the Dog more than Drive My Car, but that's already going to get nominated. So let's go with Drive My Car. You know, I don't yeah, think I, they're I, operating yeah, that way. I don't think they are either. But um... Hey, maybe we're wrong, but in any case, okay. So, okay. So I think we've talked about the, the Twitter thing. Yeah. So I want to get into the bigger picture of like, what is good and what is bad about award season? Is it fun or is it folly? Oh, yes. I forgot, um, I forgot about that. Uh, well, the listener hasn't, cause I named the episode that I guarantee. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I, I do think it's, it's a, it's a fun thing to follow, especially since you and I do like a fantasy award season, uh, league, which by the way, Oh, do you know, like apparently we're, I mean, we're not the only one there. Are, What's up? <laughs> did you see there was a, okay. Years. I don't know if I want to call out anyone by name. Cause I don't know if they're, uh, uh, public about this in general, but someone who's in our league years ago was on jeopardy. Oh yes. Yes. And they're like fun fact when they were talking to Alex was I'm in a fantasy award season. Right. Like three weeks ago, somebody else was on jeopardy and their fun fact was that they're also in a fantasy award season league. I have no idea who this person is lives in Los Angeles, uh, apparently. But, uh, so there's, uh, there's other people doing this out there and they're not necessarily, uh, I don't know. Maybe this person did get the template from sure. our website, which you sure. can do. Um, but uh, um, we may not be the only one, but we're the we're the best ones. But I, our league is the best. One. Anyway, that was a, a little aside. That's that, that's all, all to say that like we get a lot of fun out of the horse race element. Yes, of it. Yes. Um, uh, but. But is the, but I think we also recognize that I don't know if everyone in our group feels this way. I don't know if you feel this way. I don't. When I, at the end of the day, I don't think it's good to put too much stock in the way that one film or one actor or whatever competes against another. It's not. It's 
it's a fun game sure. to put art into essentially a sports type of construct. Yeah. It yeah. makes for a fun game, but I don't actually think it's real or important, but I worry by paying so much attention to award season. Am I part of the problem that treats things that way that treats the Oscars as an actual like authority on what the best movies of the year were like, are, are we, uh, is it folly for us to uh, have so much fun with the award season? So, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. And it does feel like it just, it just given that art is so subjective, anytime you're saying this is the best, this, or this belongs on such and such a list uh, you are maybe without even trying to, and, and, and not overtly saying it, but you're kind of suggesting that there is a specific template uh, of quality mm-hmm. and this movie or this performance adheres to that. Uh, and, and any movie that doesn't, uh, it just isn't as good. And, and it does, it does lead to, you know, you talk about movies that are not even so much awards bait, but they're the type of movie that could win versus the type of movie that even if it was very well regarded, it's like, well, that's not, that's not the kind of movie that would do well, certainly with, with the Oscars, maybe with critics. Um, but yeah, and uh, so I do think that um, I think that there is a potential folly there for just reducing as there's a folly when any kind of any kind of uh, checklist, you know, when you say here are the five best movies like, OK, I guess I'll watch those five and I don't really need to watch anything else um, or um, <coughs> or it's. Uh, it's like, OK, I'm watching these five, but. I'm not even really that interested in engaging. I'm only interested in checking the box that I saw it, uh, which is something that I sometimes uh, worry about falling into myself. But um, but yeah, so I do think that there is potential folly in, in turning it just into a horse race as you, as you mentioned. Um, But I think there is, I think there's value in it at its, at its most basic. And I think I've said this about the Oscars as well. Um, But Many years ago, I believe it was the first year that I went to the International Christian Film Festival, and uh, and I, I didn't have a talk or anything like that. I just went there to like set up my more than one lesson table and just kind of get a, a lay of the land. But because I paid for that, I was an official sponsor. Uh, they let me. They told me uh, not too far ahead of time, unfortunately, that I was going to be presenting an award, mm-hmm. and I thought like, oh. And I said, can I say anything ahead of time? Like before I get to the award? And they said, sure. I was like, all right. So I was, so I had a, 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 some remarks planned that sort of incorporated my view of Christian film uh, and, and, but putting a positive spin on it, which is like, you know, it's it, these award, this award show is good because it suggests that there is such a thing as good or bad or more specifically effective and less effective. You know, when you, when you're saying that this is the best movie, I may not agree, but you're suggesting that there is such a thing as quality. We might all disagree on what that means, but there is such a thing as good and effective and that we should strive for that. Now, I wound up abandoning those comments for something else once I discovered the award I was presenting. And once I sat in on the awards for any length of time and I felt 
like everything was too positive. Um, but, but that was, but that is what I believe, which is that like, when you have these conversations, yes, to talk about best, I mean, maybe that's just, that's all, you know, academic in its own way, but there is this idea. It's like, this is a movie that deserves some kind of recognition and deserves to be remembered. And even if, and, and we, we put it on this list that's somewhat arbitrary, but it's the only thing we can think of to do, you know? Um, and it does mean excluding other movies that may not fit uh, in, in sort of a, a arbitrary way. Um, but yeah, I do think that I guess what I'm talking about isn't necessarily the fun, but it is the, it is the, I think the potential benefit of award season. It does. It, yeah. it requires people to remember what the year was and pick out those movies that really had an impact on them. But it also, I think award season, all of the noise happening at once or by at once, I mean, over the course of months, but it, obviously the, uh, the, the, the level of the, the, the fervor and the din rises mm -hmm. closer to the Oscars. People talking about those movies all at once means they, it, it amplifies things and mm -hmm. people outside of our circles who think about movies, uh, all year long are thinking about movies and not just as something to do on a Friday. They're thinking about movies as, as art. Mm -hmm. I still like, again, this gets back to that. Like, yeah, but if it's true art, we shouldn't be like treating it as uh, on sure. a point system or, or whatever. But I do think there is some benefit to use your word that to, to just raising the profile of movies in a way that like you were saying underlines that they have the possibility to be something great and of lasting quality and, yeah. and they can, and they mean something to people. I mean, what I like to get a uh, uh, personal one, one of obviously one of my favorite, one of the reasons I love award season so much is that we have this awards season league that we're in that, that makes it fun to, to keep up with. But another one of the things I love about award season is it's the time of the year that I talk with my mom about movies. I feel mm. like, I mean, I talked to my mom, uh, uh, all year long, but I really feel like I have, a uh, a great relationship with my mom leading up to the Oscars. Cause she like, um, you know, wants to know what I've seen, what she hears, what she's hearing about. Is it good? Should I see this? Sometimes she'll get to something before, before I do. Um, she really liked passing this year and saw it before mm -hmm. I did. Um, and I was, uh, stoked that I liked passing, uh, as well. I guess it's, I guess it could go the other way. Sometimes your mom's really excited about something. You're like, Oh, I haven't seen it yet. And then you don't like it. And you'd be like, you feel like a jerk or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, uh, I, I, I really like, um, talking about it's, I find myself in award season talking about movies with people outside of the circle of people that I normally would talk about movies with. And I think yeah. that's a sign that there's, it does some, some good for the profile of the art form. 
And, you know, it's uh, look, I, I don't I don't want to get overly political, but obviously in, in the circles that I not even so much run in, but just that I'm aware of, which is like, you know, a big runner, as I recall. Oh, boy. It's uh, <laughs> the only thing I consistently run from is the concept of exercise. Um, thank you. Uh, but uh, but in the in the conservative sphere where they are very suspicious uh, of Hollywood. Um, they're, they're always, and this is something I've gotten in arguments about this, uh, with people, um, because, you know, this, this really is where I sometimes feel like sort of a man without a country is that like a lot of, like, I, I tend to bond way more with people that I, that I agree with about movies, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to people that I agree with politically. Um, but, uh, but then once things turn, political and i start saying like, well i think this and this and this uh people don't necessarily get upset about it or anything like that but they're like oh okay that's eh, i don't really uh, agree with you there um but then films i'm i'm very passionate about and when i see the way many not all of them of course but many fellow uh conservatives when i hear the way they talk about film in general as an art form or often not as an art form but merely as a form of entertainment even though one does not preclude the other um but uh, but then when I hear them talk about the Oscars as a as the ceremony uh, and as something whose ratings are going down, as it would appear, the ceremony itself is becoming more political, uh, which is to say, often more left leaning uh, in their perception. Um, they they and so they the concept of being irrelevant or out of touch. Uh, first in the ceremony itself. And then eventually that starts to trickle into the films that are actually nominated. And they say like, Oh, well, these are films that like people didn't see. These are films that, that, uh, that uh, they, they have a niche audience or, or whatever. And to me, that makes me great. It makes me grateful for the Oscars. Not that it's niche or not that it's out of touch, but like, well, now these people, they may be talking about these movies to dismiss them, but there might be one or two. It goes back similar to the idea of, of talking to your mom, not to suggest that your mom is is one of the people that I'm talking about, but like people that otherwise wouldn't really even bother with Hollywood or talk about film on a deeper level. They suddenly are now talking about, oh, these are considered the best. And while any number of conservatives, would pro- if they watch them at all, they might watch them with their guard up. But there's there's always going to be someone who is disarmed and says, oh, huh, I didn't uh, I didn't mind that so much. Uh, it happens pretty regularly, actually, um, in like hmm. I'm, I'm part of various like conservative Facebook groups. And when movies come up, uh, especially around this time of year uh, or, or more, I guess, as we get closer to the Oscars, uh, there are often posts like, oh, has anyone heard of even, even heard of any of these? And in the comment section, there's usually a lot of people that say, oh, that's that was crap or I didn't bother. But there's usually a few that say, I actually wa- I watched it. And some sometimes they will even say I watched it because it was nominated. And you know mm-hmm. what? I thought it was pretty good. Parasite. That happened a lot with Parasite, um, where because it was the first foreign language film to win Best Picture, which itself was notable. Mm-hmm. And so. You got a lot of people who went in, you know, because Trump said something about like, well, it's the Oscars should be for like American movies and all that because it's an American organization. And there are a lot of people that followed that. But there are a lot of people who just chose to watch the movie and said, like, that was amazing. And they were and they're like, 
and I don't think they said like that deserved to win a best, best picture or anything like that, but they said like that movie was so good. And that to me is, I guess I'm sort of piggybacking on what you said about your mom. Like that to me is tremendously the, the tremendous value of the, of the, the Oscar profile uh, is that it does get people giving something. They might give it a second look or a first look so that they can dismiss it. But sometimes the inherent, effectiveness of the film comes out and it grabs them where, and they might not have even thought about parasite otherwise. Um, uh, real quick. I want to just say that I don't want to give the impression. I was like a Philistine nine months of the year. She has no, 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 of course not. That's when we talk about, about movies. She actually has very good, good taste. I think we talked about this. Like, um, there's a part of your life where, you're a kid and your parent is trying to protect you. You shouldn't see that. You shouldn't see this. And then there becomes a time where I'm like, where you're like, Oh, I don't know if mom can handle that. I'm not going to, yeah. Me getting over that hump has been huge. Realizing like now that I'm like, I, I keep saying I'm almost 40, I'll be 40 this year. I'm like, uh, you know, a well into adulthood at this point. Yeah. Like now that I just see my mom as another adult, I can recommend just like, anything and she i mean this goes back years now but mom really liked tangerine which is not there was oh. a time i never would have recommended a movie about you know um uh, two transgender uh prostitutes um that has explicit uh uh sexual content and also has like a dude puking all over the back of a cab like i never would have uh uh recommended that to my mom when i was a little bit younger but i got to a point where like no she's she's an adult. I'm an adult. She can uh, handle that. And she, and she liked it when she was out here. Um, I guess it's like 2018. Uh, we went to see Phantom thread and she loved that. Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, I know I wanted to defend my mom's taste. Yeah. I <laughs> wish that I could do the same, uh, about my mom's taste, but she, as she has gotten older, when she was younger, I mean, I feel like she maybe it was a function of my dad being around. I don't know. But, uh, when she was younger, she used to be pretty in, engaged with, with movies that uh, she now would consider uh, offensive. And I've said it, mm-hmm. I've said it before. I put it on Facebook uh, this mother's day. I said that like my family and I went to go see Crimson Tide. And uh, as we were driving home afterwards, my dad said like, what did everyone think? And my mom said, it's like, Oh, I didn't like all that swearing. Then she paused and she said, but, you know, I guess if I were in that situation, I, I'd say that stuff, too. And I mean, I like that is that blew my mind as a 13 year old <laughs> that like and, and what she was essentially saying was she was talking about context. She was talking about valuing context. And rather than simply say, I don't like that, I don't rather than her saying, I don't use profanity and I don't like hearing profanity. Instead, she met the characters where they were at and said, oh, you know what? Fair enough. There are worse things go. There, there are bigger things going on in this film than uh, someone saying fuck. Um, and so, like, that's who she used to be. But now, it really is one of those things where she'll ask, like, 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 oh, are there any movies that I that I should see? Which is why when something like Cyrano comes out, which is still my favorite movie of 2021, it's like beautiful. Yes, here we go. Yes, you will like that. <laughs> a, a nice movie. It's, it's, it's a, it's a really great movie that also happens to be suitable for her. 
Uh, oh man, that that should be that should be an episode. That should be an episode. As like, I was saying, it was nice like, movies is... that are also good. Absolutely. I mean, because we've like that's. I feel like maybe I'm taking lately. I'm taking too many topics from uh, film Twitter, but there is that the conversation that keeps coming up around things like the age gap thing about like, should movies be like, do movies have a responsibility to be ethical or, or, or whatever? And they, right. and they don't, but it would be fun to do an episode on movies that happen to be nice movies that are also very good. I'd love that. You know, um, your babes, your waking Ned <laughs> divines. Yeah. Waking Ned's divine. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, uh, David, I do want to, uh, I know that we probably should have an eye towards, towards wrapping up, but I did want to bring something up. So of course, inevitably we wound up talking about the Oscars, but I do want to branch out a little bit oh, and yeah. talk about award season in general and talk about the the we are firmly in critics awards season right now i know that i know that the the golden globes just happened um or I mean, didn't yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh I mean, they're the, reported to have happened yeah the, the winners location the winners were assigned um so i guess we're we're getting out we're moving into the industry at this point like sag nominations just happened. um but november december Some shockers there by the way yeah, very much we're, so we're talking about like keeping like having fun, treating it like a horse race. Yeah. Is case Stu out of the running for the Oscars? I think not. I think not. I think she'll yeah. still get that nomination, but it was quite a shock to not see the leader, the head of the leaderboard yeah. so far. Uh, and like not get the SAG nomination, both Kieran Hines and Jamie Dornan were not included in supporting actor. I don't think that, I don't think the Oscars are going to mirror that. Um, but yeah, you don't. it's, I do think they're both going to get it. No, I think Kieran Hines will. Yeah. So who's okay. Who do you think? Cause it's a, uh, it's a weird category supporting actor predict your predictions as of January 13th. Who are the five nominees? Who are the five? Okay. Oh boy. All right. I think you got your Ben Affleck in 10 to Okay. okay. Uh, it's Troy, a Long Island movie. They don't do that. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know a long, uh, long Island accent now. Um, it's Billy Joel. I can't sing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Troy Kotzer for Coda. Okay. Uh, Cody Smith McPhee. Yeah. Kieran I do Hines. think, I do think Kieran Hines. Yeah. And then that fifth one. Oh, you know what? I think it's probably going to be Jared Leto. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember who I had. Cause I definitely think, I mean, Cody Smith McPhee is as close to a sure thing as, as we've got. As far as a nomination. Yes. The Oscars, there's not a guarantee. Like okay. he, he's gotten like every critics, almost every critics award and the golden globe, but he's young. He's kind of unknown and the Oscars could decide to go with someone like a Ben Affleck um, as far as who wins. Yeah. Ben Affleck, I think is, uh, but I'm trying to think now, cause I don't have my, uh, I, I have my list, but it's on my other laptop. So I, oh, yeah. I brought that up to like, say, here's mine, but now I, I don't, I realize I don't have mine in front of me, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Cody McPhee, Kieran Hines. Um, uh, who else did we say? Troy Kotzer. Those, yeah. those three for sure. I feel like there's one big one we're leaving off. Maybe. Um, Probably. 
but um i did what I, I i don't think um uh and this is um, this is me like willing this into trying to will this into existence because i have him on my roster sure um but coleman domingo for zola has been getting he's uh, on my uh, personal uh when the time comes for bp's voting he's right. like top of my list in that category uh yeah I don't, but i I'm, I'm surprised it's funny when there's a movie that like either doesn't seem to have oscar chances and but then the voters keep picking out one aspect of it you yeah. know or and then there's the other thing where there's like the the like eyes of tammy faye type of thing where it's like movie a movie is like this is going to be an Oscar movie. And everyone's yeah. like, no, this is a Jessica Chastain movie. Yes. And the no other artist. voters. Yeah. Don't care. yeah. That may be that too. Um, but yeah, I don't know is if, if um, it, you know, because it's a weird field this year, supporting actor yeah, uh, is Coleman Domingo. Does he have a chance at getting a left field uh, nomination? I don't but think, I think so. I think you're I right. Jared like... Leto is more likely to be the left field nomination for that. Or maybe they'll throw in like a, like a JK Simmons for being the Ricardos or, um, Oh, what is the name of the guy from West side story? He plays, uh, Mike faced Mike. Fa- yeah. I feel like yeah. he's got, he's getting some buzz. So like, you know, we're not talking about the quality of the films at all. We're talking no, about this is like, just, it's just the, horses. this is an example of what's fun about it. As long as you don't take yeah. it too seriously. Exactly. And as long as you don't think that what we're saying is an endorsement, because I haven't seen tender bar by all accounts it's not very good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so what I wanted to say, yeah, I really about- need to go back and watch good night and good luck. Cause I remember it being good, but all yeah. evidence of George Clooney's career as a director since then <laughs> says that maybe I was wrong and it wasn't good. I think it was a, I think it was a fluke. It's good. I've seen it multiple times. I think it's very good. I think it's very restrained. Uh, I think he makes some really great directorial decisions in that movie. And it's just a, yeah, I think he just, you know, there are things I like about the Ides of March, but there's nothing particularly special about it. Um, kind of has a journeyman quality to it directorially, but um, anyway. Okay. You uh, wanted but, to talk about the word season. Yeah. Critics groups in particular, because while I don't, uh, and I want it, this is more just a question that I have because while I don't think critics make their decisions based on what could, po- how they could possibly influence the Oscars, you know, I, I do think, uh, so Battleship Pretender, we have our own little awards. We've got the BPs and there are about, yeah. about 15 to 20 people that vote for them. Okay. There are contributors, whether they be writers or, or guests or whatever. Um, and if you look at the nominees for ever since we started this, which is, I think 2013 was the first year. If you look at those, you get a pretty good sense of who battleship pretension is. We have, you could say a vibe, you, whatever it is. Um, and it's, and it's consistent with, with who we are. Um, and I don't think I've ever voted in terms of like, oh, this would be a good like, yes, yes, this this feels like a BP kind of thing. But I do wonder if you're part of the San Diego critics groups uh, or or, um, or San Francisco or Nevada or any of the any of the, the critics groups that are there. You know, sometimes you look at their nominations and they they are they have some something in common with other 
critics groups, but they kind of have their own thing going as well. And I do sometimes wonder if there's, it's not so much about being um, contrarian so much as it is like, well, what makes us unique? You know, what, as, as critical representatives of Nevada or San Diego or Columbus or whatever, like, how are we, how can we put our own stamp on it? And I, so I do wonder if there is that, that influences their voting, not so much what impact can we have on somebody else, but how can we assert us um, and, and, and affirm who we are in the critic community? You're saying you don't do that. You just vote your conscience, right? Right. But in yeah. the, but also like in the categories that we've chosen to include right. that, I, that reflects us a little bit more. But I, yeah. I just think groups tend to develop identities and it, it is fascinating. Yeah. You could, you name some critics groups that we've been doing this long enough yeah. that the, this awards thing long enough that I, uh, I, I kind of know what to expect from different, yeah. different groups. Yeah. San Francisco and San Diego, very different vibes. Very yeah. Um, and I don't, I, I don't think that they're trying to vote according to their, uh, identity. I think their identity comes out in the way they vote and is probably informed by, you know, being a part of, cause I'm a part of two critics groups, the online film critics society, which exists digitally. I've never yeah. like, I've never been to an online film critics society, like gathering or anything like that, but also the Hollywood critics association, which is mostly Los Angeles based and actually does have things like, you get together and you talk about movies and it like, these are your peers and colleagues or, or whatever it, it affects, um, the, the, the identity of the group becomes, comes from that. I don't think it's a conscious thing. I think it just happens naturally. I also want to say, I want to, uh, 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 scold you a little bit, Tyler. Oh, you've, okay. You've lived in a neighboring state for 15 years. You should probably know by now that it's Nevada, not I've, Nevada. I've said, I've said Nevada my entire life. I don't know why I said Nevada right now. As I oh, said, yeah, I you're like, from a neighboring state. Yeah. You said it twice. I said it twice. You said Nevada twice. And both times I'm like, what's going on over here? Where yeah. did this come from? Yeah. I've only ever said in my entire life, I've only ever said Nevada. Yeah. Uh, it's the thing I've noticed. Cause when I moved out here, I said Nevada and my now wife was like, you, you know, it's Nevada. Right. And I was like, Oh, it is. But like, I feel like everyone East of the Rockies or whatever says Nevada. But once you like get to know it and you realize like, Oh no, Nevadans call it Nevada. Yeah. It's I'm, you know what? I I'm sure I probably like watched something recently where someone said Nevada and it just got in my <laughs> head somehow. Uh, cause yeah, it's weird. It, as I said, yeah. it's like, huh, what, where did that come from? Yeah. Um, um, the, the other one that is, uh, I've realized is a dead giveaway for who's like new to Los Angeles or Southern California. Uh, so, okay. You were born in Taft. Sure. Oh yes. Where did you live after Taft? Ventura. Ventura. Yes people who aren't from here who are used mm-hmm. to words like venture and adventure yeah. say Ventura. In fact, I think it's since been fixed, but like Google's GPS used to say, turn right on Ventura Boulevard, mm. like a CH sound. Once you've been here long enough, you realize it's Ventura. And yes. that, that's, that's usually a giveaway to whether or not someone's new here or not is Ventura or Ventura. And then ironically, people who like anytime someone has, and maybe I did it too. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone who comes here uh, probably says Los Feliz 
first because that be that's, right. the, that's the correct pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then, but then no, it's like, we don't say Tajunga. We say Tahunga, like that's the correct pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's like, no, it's Los Feliz. Fuck it. You know? Yeah. That's uh, weird. That's, yeah. It's fascinating. Um, All right. But anyway, uh, but yeah, so I, I am always interested um, to see like, in what way does a, a critics group like uh, assert itself or, or, or assert its own identity? And, and yeah, it probably is not a conscious choice. It probably is the idea that like these people all know each other. They probably are regularly talking. Uh, some critics group recently really zeroed in on nightmare alley. Like a lot of other critics groups have been ignoring it for the most part. Um, but there was yeah, one group that like, sorry about that for the but, uh, and also because it's a great movie it's a great movie yeah uh but like but there are there are some critics there is one critics group that like really gave it a, a fair amount of things and i think like my first thought was like are they trying to be contrarian it's like no they all hung out they all just agreed this movie's great right and yeah. then they then the time came to vote and they didn't think about it again which is, and, uh, which is fine you know a lot of times in critics groups people get like brought in like nominated for membership by other critics. So it tends to become sure. It's sort of like I worked at a, I worked at a, a, a video store in Chicago. Doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, Chicago still exists. The video store doesn't, um, that by the end of my like three years there, pretty much every employee was a student in our film department. Like, yeah. the, at, and the school wasn't near the, the video store, but it's just a, it became a thing of like, uh, Oh, we have an opening where you're hiring. I have a friend or whatever. And so like, uh, it was entirely Columbia college, Chicago film students working almost entirely at this, at this video store. I think that's the way these, the critic groups, critics groups, local critics groups tend to, to build too. Yeah. And it's, do you, do you, as you, cause as you're following, uh, this is something that there's a conversation that came about be, because of the, the, um, the draft that we do. Um, there comes a moment and I, I just mentioned it before where we, where the award season shifts from critics mm -hmm. to end to industry and, um, you know, various, uh, guild awards, uh, and then, um, the Oscars themselves, uh, and then stuff like, uh, BAFTA and all that. But, um, and, and there is a tremendous shift, you know, and if you, if you, if you can get a movie or a performance that bridges that those two, then like, you're, you're good. You're, you're doing great. But there are some movies that, or performances that's like, okay, once industry kicks in, this thing's going to go away. Uh, you know, in 2012, like, sorry, Holy motors. We have no, there's no room for you here. Uh, we're busy, uh, giving, um, Argo stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Does, um, does Alana Hayam have a chance at an Oscar nomination? She has a chance. Okay. But, uh, that's a pretty crowded category as well, you know? Uh, and I think that she might as often, uh, not always, but as you know, like, uh, the master, was not a, and certainly inherent vice were not embraced really by the Oscars. The master was nominated for three acting awards Inherent vice was nominated for a screenplay Oscar. Uh, certainly phantom thread was nominated for a bunch of stuff that it did not win except for costume design, understandably. Um, and something like liquor, licorice pizza could be seen outside of like an Oscar, uh, a screenplay nomination. Like the Oscars might be like, we don't know what to do with this. It feels too. And I, this is, 
this is me based like i haven't even seen the movie but like it's this light-hearted uh kind of silly goofy thing uh so maybe they'll go for it maybe they won't um but the fact that, um, that bradley cooper was just nominated for a sag award for supporting actor is is fascinating i was yeah. not expecting that um i'm hoping i'm currently as usually happy i don't know i don't it i should not be so bad at this like i feel like by chance i should have been had at least one year that i did well but i'm so yeah, bad at the but i don't think i don't but, think you made any bad decisions um well i mean i wouldn't have couldn't have known at the time but uh, the humans for adapted screenplay turns out to have been a bad decision sure maybe i was like drunk on the fact that i loved the film sure um but uh anyway i'm dead last but also i am i don't i think i'm too far behind to like actually mount a full comeback and win but i am banking on having belfast in a couple categories having jessica chastain to like get me up to where i'm no longer embarrassing myself at the end of this thing <laughs> once it kicks into awards uh, or the, the guild awards okay we we really have to wrap up yeah um Last thing I want to say about the, the Oscars themselves every year, I threaten not to watch them. Sure. But then every couple of years, something happens like the La La Land thing, which I'm glad that I was watching when that happened. Boy. Parasite winning. I'm glad yeah. that I was watching this year. Who knows what it will be, if it will be anything. I mean, I wish I hadn't watched last year's last year's. I know some people liked it. I thought it was complete snooze. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, I, this year I am planning on watching right now because there is a possibility that best animated film, best foreign film and best documentary could all go to the same movie. That's never happened before. It is technically a possibility. That would be so fascinating to watch. Uh, getting the, the trifecta there, I think is unlikely, uh, especially in best animated film. Um, no, I yeah, know it's unlikely, it's, but I, I it's, I'm saying, but it could, if it ends up yes. getting nominated and if fleet is nominated in all, all three of those categories, yeah. I will be watching the Oscars. Just if there's even a 1% chance that that happens, I want to watch the same film win those three categories. I guess we all have our reason for watching. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think like, there's nothing, you know, talk, uh, talking about, uh, Siskel and Ebert, like when they, they devoted a, a fair amount of, of airtime to the Oscars because when the nominations were announced, they would do an episode about, about surprises and snubs and, and all that sort of thing. But they, they did also say like, you know, which, which nomination got you the most, ex, you know, excited you the most, you know, made you excited for the, 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 the nominee themselves. Um, and so I do, I do try to think about that, like, and it's it's usually in the acting categories, but it could also be screenplay or or something like, or or maybe director, where someone who someone like a Kieran Hines, for example, who has been around for a long time, never nominated. The idea of him being nominated and the idea of him winning uh, is something that like oh that would be nice. Like I remember the year that. Um, Mahershala Ali won supporting actor for Green Book. And I'm not a huge fan of Green Book, but I think he is great in it, genuinely. But Richard E. Grant was nominated that year for uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? And he's so good in that. And he, you know, and he's been around for a while. And if you looked at like there is like Twitter thread or, or, or Instagram or whatever it was, he was just so excited to be nominated that it's like, it goes back to, I think you said this, that like there are some people who, 
I, I think you mentioned it about uh, when Mark Rylance won supporting actor for Bridge of Spies instead of Sylvester Stallone for Creed. And it was kind of between those two. And it's like, yeah, Mark Rylance did a, did a fine job, but I think it, it would have been so much more satisfying to see yeah. Sylvester Stallone go up there. And that's how I that's yeah. how I'd feel about like a like a Kieran Hines, like Cody Smith McPhee is great genuinely great in power of the dog. So if he wins, you know, like he's been winning then like, Hey, good for him. But boy, wouldn't it be nice to see Karen Hines who, you know, who could go up and, and ever probably everyone in that auditorium, if they're still having the event, uh, everyone in that auditorium will have worked with him and, and, and would be really excited to see him get his due. That's, I do enjoy seeing that. That's fun. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm. Well, and now you got me excited to watch the Oscars, which oh, but you know, doesn't happen. Maybe uh, it could also wind up being just a giant snooze uh, in which there are no surprises and everything just goes exactly as you thought it would. Yeah, that often happens. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. Um, you can email us at. Uh, David at battleshipretension.com or Tyler at battleshipretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Also check out my other podcast that I do with my wife. It's called The One Where I Met Your Mother. Uh, we watch an episode of Friends and an episode of How I Met Your Mother every week. Um, this week, oh, I just put it up, but I don't remember what we <laughs> talked about. <laughs> um, it's fine. Now, um, oh yeah, we talked about the... Uh, uh, a, what I'm going to say is a bad episode of friends and a good episode of how many mother, um, the friends episode has this, uh, contrived, very sitcom-y thing of, Oh, Ross made a pros and cons list about Rachel and Rachel saw it. I hate that. Yeah. Um, uh, but then the, how many mother gang goes to Atlantic city and has a bunch of fun. So that's a good one. Uh, you can email, uh, you can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler pretension. Tyler, what do you have to plug this week? Uh, well, I guess I haven't mentioned my, documentary in a while but uh, valley of the shadow the spiritual value of horror is available uh, on the streaming platform rediscovertelevision.com but you can also uh, rent it uh, pay to rent it on vimeo on demand so you can find it that way I, I i'm sorry to say i still haven't watched it but i think i said but i will watch it after the oscars <laughs> sure and you know I'm what too and- busy with other stuff right now the thing because you hadn't mentioned it, I assume like okay, he either ha- he either hasn't watched it or he has, and he's too polite <laughs> to bring up the flaws that I already know are there. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, and I'm I'm it doesn't it doesn't bother me either way. But uh, but viewers, you can check it out, and uh, and you can see, you know that it loses a little focus after a while. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's important to be objective about as objective as you can be about your own work. And and when I watch it, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is, I, I'd give it a B if I'm okay. being honest. Okay. So still worth well, watching. Definitely, definitely go check that out on Vimeo. I'm still, Hey, I'm still kind of proud of it and it's a way to support me, but, uh, but yeah. And, and I think people might enjoy it. Some people really, some people really love it and good for them. Uh, I myself see a lot of the flaws, but I guess that's the nature of it. Uh, All right. Well, um, other than that, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.
This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.